Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult, an advice podcast for people who believe they shouldn't be allowed to adult. I'm your host, Charmel Scipio, and I reluctantly adult. For May, I thought that it would be appropriate that we talk about motherhood and being parents from the perspective of women. Um, I think that it is, you know, for people who like being parents, for people who are parents, specifically mom, um, it's a privilege, but it's also a really, really tough job. Uh, but I think that it's worth us talking about and sort of understanding what it's like to be a mom. In this episode, we're not exactly talking about motherhood, though. Uh, something that's adjacent to it. I speak with Dr. Maureen Kelly of Society Hill Reproductive Medicine about egg freezing. I feel like it is a topic that women ought to know about. Uh, I feel like I was talking about egg freezing all the way back when I was in high school. I was that weirdo kid that knew about this weird stuff and everybody was just like, okay, weirdo. Um, But I do think that it is an option for women who either don't know whether or not they want to have children or, you know, just want to sort of delay the pressures and and kind of take... um, take any societal pressure off of their shoulders around whether or not whether or not they should have children or when they should have children Uh, we had a really great talk dr kelly is incredibly informative Um, it's a bit of a short episode but it's jam-packed with information with really really good information and i hope you all enjoy welcome to reluctantly adult please introduce yourself to the people Yes, hi. Um, My name's Maureen Kelly. I'm a reproductive endocrinologist and fertility specialist at Society Hill Reproductive Medicine. So what does that mean? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, what I do on a day-to-day basis is I uh, I help women who have hormonal disorders, Mm -hmm. uh, women who have fertility issues, uh, women who um, would like to preserve their fertility. Mm -hmm. I also do surgery uh, as well. Uh, I also am involved in IVF for in vitro fertilization. Oh, cool. So how or why did you get into this particular field of medicine? So... uh, I love this field of medicine Mm -hmm. from the first time I uh, was introduced to it as a medical student. It's just an extraordinary um, uh, specialty. The... um you know, when I was in medical school, I knew I wanted to specialize in women's health, mm-hmm. and uh, this particular area allows me to have very strong relationships, lo- ongoing relationships with my patients, mm-hmm. and also to be able to help them um, in, you know, building families or taking care of their health. So mm-hmm. it it also it allows me to be on the cutting edge of scientific discoveries mm-hmm. and also perform surgery. So it's just an extraordinary um, field of medicine. Absolutely. So I learned about Dr. Kelly by um, actually attending one of your Egg Freezing 101 happy hours, um, probably about eight months ago. I think it was about summertime. Okay. And I had always been interested in egg freezing, but I also didn't know what it necessarily meant. Like I, I knew that it meant I could kind of push off the pressure of having children for a little bit longer, but I didn't understand sort of the process to go into it. So can you tell me, you know, why did you think this series was necessary? Yes. Um, 
egg freezing is a, an incredibly powerful opportunity that we have available now. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, there are some concerns for women as they age that their fertility decreases. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, we were not able to preserve their fertility. So there's a lot of pressure uh, on women. They understand that, uh, they, that there is a biological clock. Mm-hmm. And because of certain life circumstances, there are women who um, uh, just can't have children when they are at their peak fertility uh, or they delay them for various reasons. That was one of the reasons. And mm-hmm. so once we were able to successfully freeze eggs, then I wanted to get the word out that this is available. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is, having said that about the understanding of bio- a biological clock, I also find that there is a lot of misconceptions out there about fertility. Many, right. many of them, as a matter of fact. And some of the things that get covered most frequently in the media really sensationalize what's going on in uh, in fertility. And so there are women who don't realize that there is a very, uh, a, a very important time period when their eggs are most fertile. Mm -hmm. And they might even think in the back of their mind, well, if I have trouble, then I can see a fertility specialist, and worst case scenario, you know, I have treatment to help me get pregnant. But when the problem is because there's been a decline in fertility because of age, Mm -hmm. we are really still very limited on how well we can treat someone. And so I wanted that to be out. I just want women to understand what are we talking about? When are they most fertile? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that they can make very informed decisions. So in that, you said that there were a lot of like misconceptions that kind of come around um, sort of fertility and also the the timeline as to as to when you could do these these things um what are what are some of those misconceptions so i think that most people don't realize um that uh the peak fertility for women is uh at age 26 oh wow Oh, wow. And so a lot of women are really involved in many, many other things Mm -hmm. at that age, Uh, education or early uh, career moves. And uh, sometimes um, they're in a relationship or not in a relationship uh, that may need some more time to develop. And so there's a lot going on during that age Mm -hmm. time. And the other is that the after peak fertility, we start to see a decline. And that decline in egg quality initially is slow, but Mm -hmm. then that decline becomes much more meaningful, much more rapid once women reach 35 and Mm -hmm. over. And and so surprisingly, the the reproductive lifespan for women is quite limited. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception. The other is, uh, again, because of what we might see in the media, you might hear of someone famous having children at 52 or 47 or something like that and it is extremely unlikely that that particular individual got pregnant with her own eggs Mm -hmm. and so that's another misconception as I alluded to um, we really have limitations in our field um, on how well we can help someone if the egg quality has started to decline. In your in your opinion, sort of, who is the ideal candidate for egg freezing? So, ideally, one would suggest that one could preserve their fertility or, or freeze eggs when they are at their peak fertility. Mm-hmm. That would be ideal. 
um, the flip side of that, of course, is, well, if we were freezing eggs uh, and someone is uh, 26, it's certainly possible that that particular individual may not ever really need to use those eggs. Mm -hmm. And so um, we want to certainly have women avail themselves of it before we see a big decline in their quality. Um, and what people need to do is just weigh kind of what their expectations are. I've had women come who know, maybe because they're studying to be a lawyer or a physician, um, that you know, maybe seven years or longer before they would even possibly be in a position for conception. Well, that woman knows that freezing eggs at 26 or 27 makes perfect sense. Absolutely. The other... Um, there are a couple other things that I probably should add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we uh, will, women will be involved, say, in a long-term relationship that um, breaks up, and mm-hmm. she needs some time for herself, uh, and also is aware of the fact that even if she is uh, involved with another individual, uh, that it takes some time to know whether or not that you know this relationship is going to go anywhere. So mm-hmm. sometimes women will freeze eggs during that time as well, just to give her. Uh, you know, some time without pressure. Um, and, and the other is actually women who don't even know whether or not they want children, right. uh, which is, you know, they don't want that decision to be taken away. They don't want that option to be taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And so they can freeze eggs and be able to make the decision kind of more naturally. Okay. So what is the egg freezing process? Like, what does that consist of? So the the egg freezing process is um, it, it's based on what we do for in vitro fertilization, except mm-hmm. we're not doing the fertilizing part of it. And what we want to do is um, one of the things I should mention is that women make a lot of eggs that are not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's surprising how many eggs we make that are abnormal, even when we are at peak fertility. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to preserve more than one egg. Uh, so what we need to do is to help mature a group of eggs simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And for most women, what we do is about, it's about a four-week process where there are certain medications that are used to help grow a group of eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, contrast that with when a woman ovulates spontaneously, typically she will make one egg. Mm-hmm. When we're freezing eggs, what we like to do is actually mature a group of eggs mm-hmm. and then be able to freeze them. And they can stay frozen in, in, the, um, in the IVF laboratory for a undetermined amount of time. So typically, once we mature a group of eggs, we do what's called an egg retrieval. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is done under IV sedation. So the woman's asleep for it. Okay. And we can, the way we access the eggs is we, um, by ultrasound guidance, take a needle through the top of the vagina, goes directly into the ovary, which sits right on the opposite side of the vaginal wall. Mm -hmm. And we aspirate out the fluid in which the eggs have matured and withdraw the eggs at that time. And within an hour, the embryologist looks at those uh, that fluid. Within an hour, those eggs are frozen. Oh, wow. So is it critical that they be frozen within the hour yeah. in order for viability? It, it is. I mean, for, for ideal freezing, yes. It's, it's ideal for them to be frozen within an hour. When you're looking at the fluid and, and the eggs, um, what are those specific results that you're looking for as far as deciding whether or not this round has been successful or if it hasn't? So um, 
I would say that anytime we obtain an egg, it's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, we ideally, of course, would like a, a more than one egg because mm-hmm. of the, this knowledge that we have that many eggs are produced that are abnormal. So the number of eggs is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's at all possible, we are thinking you know, guidelines might be appropriate to think about 15 eggs, 20 eggs. Uh, and so that would be, say, the ideal uh, egg freezing cycle. So at one time, you would give an, enough hormones and ed- enough medications that when you go to do egg retrieval, you're pulling anywhere between 10 to, to 15 eggs? Um, ideally. Now, now, there are times when a woman can't produce that many. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't have that many at any one point in time. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, regardless of the amount of medication we give, uh, we just will... Uh, retrieve the ones that have matured. Um, And then there could be consideration of follow-up cycle if she desires. So in order to ensure that the the round for egg retrieval is successful, are there any sort of lifestyle changes or like dietary changes that need to be made in order to to ensure the success? So there are um, probably very limited things uh, that women have under their control in terms of egg production per mm-hmm. se. That's likely a very genetically determined situation. In terms of fertility overall, we do know that women um, who maintain normal weight have better fertility, less chance of miscarriage. We also know that uh, certain dietary approaches are better for fertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have There's been some research that has looked at comparing a diet that has simple carbohydrates, for example, things like sweets and uh, rice and potatoes and pastas, uh, compared to more of a protein, complex carb, vegetable diet, and they have found that the latter diet is better, mm-hmm. uh, that that's associated with higher fertility in general. Okay. Um, and so, so d- those are just general guidelines about diet. Outside of, uh, like, not reaching the optimum number of eggs being produced, um, what could also qualify as, like, an unsuccessful round for, for egg, like, potential eggs to be frozen that's about the main one okay (laughs) that would be about the main one yes oh okay just not obtaining the number that would one would hope for Mm -hmm. okay what happens if the round isn't successful like what where do you go to after that so we learn a lot as we're doing this of course and sometimes we'll examine um, whether or not it's possible to change the medications that Mm -hmm. that woman receives so if she decides to do another cycle and many women actually do Mm -hmm. uh, more than one cycle then we will adjust the medication to see if potentially we can bring along a larger group if that's the problem. Mm -hmm. What are the the potential risks around egg freezing? There are a few to think about. Um, And and the the best way to think about them is to divide the an egg freezing cycle into several parts. And Mm -hmm. the first part would be the medications. What risks do those medications provide to a woman? And one of the risks is, you know, you're on hormones. Mm -hmm. And so we certainly know that side effects can occur. Sometimes women will have bloatedness, crampiness, breast tenderness, Mm -hmm. uh, moodiness. Um, More serious risks, anytime an individual is exposed to hormones, uh, she can have a higher risk of blood clot formation. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And that's across the board, whether a woman's on birth control pills or she's taking medication to help 
stimulate a group of eggs to mature. So, mm -hmm. so that is uh, another, um, you know, a more serious risk to be Absolutely. aware of. When uh, one does a, an egg retrieval, even though it's not a surgery per se, there's no cutting involved, uh, the mere fact that you are you know, working within the ovary, which is sterile, you could theoretically introduce an infection or cause some bleeding. So that's another um, uh, group of uh, uh, risks that are involved. What are the rates of success around, around egg freezing? So... Egg freezing, which has been around really for a long, long time, mm -hmm. probably the first pregnancy from egg freezing occurred in the late 80s. And um, th those uh, techniques of freezing actually, for about the next 20 years or so, were less than ideal. And so the success rate was lower. Um, so many eggs didn't even survive the freeze-thaw. Mm -hmm. well, today, the freezing technique has just advanced, uh, fortunately, um, so far that the vast majority of eggs, over 90% of them, will survive being frozen and thawed. And then the fertilization rate uh, typically is the same that we see with fresh eggs. Okay. About 50-75% of them have the chance of fertilizing. When you look at the overall success rate, it correlates with the age that the woman froze her eggs. Mm -hmm. So the rates, if you freeze them when you're at your peak fertility, then you are looking at success rates per uh, transfer of an embryo typically about 60%. Mm -hmm. um, and the important thing always to recognize is though we are continuing to do research, publish research, most of the work that's been published up to this point has been done on women who've been 38 and under at the time that they froze their eggs. Okay. And that's perfect because that, that kind of speaks directly to... Um my audience, like that's essentially where they are in, in age range, definitely um, under the age of 38, but definitely over the age of 26. Yes. Um, and, and I think that there is probably a little bit of panic when when we hear these numbers where it's just like, oh, my God, like I missed my peak fertility. I didn't even know about this. Like. What am I going to do? Right, absolutely. And also, I mean, one has to remember that maybe even if you were aware of it at that time, you might not have been ready to take a step like this. Mm -hmm. And so I would certainly want to reassure women that, you know, many women freeze their eggs, you know, at 40, 41, 42. It's important to know that, yes, you know, those uh, chances of conception with those eggs may not be the same as when you were uh, 26 or 28. However, freezing eggs at 40, those eggs are still uh, in a better, uh, excuse me, they're in a better, um, a better quality than mm -hmm. your eggs at 43 or 44. Absolutely. And so um, they're really, you know, they're, there's definitely not as specific um time where you've absolutely missed the boat mm -hmm. on this, but you also do need to be counseled on, well, what's the likelihood that we'll have any normal eggs in this group of eggs that we would retrieve if you're 40 or 41 or 42? So that, that actually leads me to ask, like, do you think that egg freezing ought to be an option that is first and foremost sort of taught about in like health class and then secondly a part of maybe like the minimal central coverage for young women sort of how you know pap smears and everything like that come along that this ought to be at least something that is that is talked about earlier rather than later because I think I think a lot of people find out about it 
just around the age of 30 and then it's just like you get that weird freak out like I wasted four years of prime egg real estate uh, that I could have had frozen and and waiting for me. So I think that what is perhaps extremely important uh, to be discussed is fertility Mm -hmm. and peak fertility time. I mean, that alone uh, would be a huge step for that to be discussed very openly. Mm -hmm. Um, Many women aren't even aware of those facts uh, we, we it, and it's not as if at 26 all of a sudden you know one drops off the cliff I mean many women at 28 30 33 34 are mm-hmm. very fertile um, but just to be aware that okay there is a decline the dec- and, and generally speaking that decline can have a more significant impact at 35 and above so that um, that information can be filtered when you're making decisions. Mm -hmm. I think certainly the fact that we have egg freezing as an option, you know, should be discussed. Um, It's still, um, you know, it's expensive and it's still significantly, uh, you know, time consuming to go through an egg freezing cycle. But just like we can talk about contraception on one hand and Mm -hmm. women be aware of, you know, what's available to them, I think Yes, this is a very powerful option that women have uh, with uh, to help with their reproductive planning. Absolutely. So, as you mentioned, egg freezing is expensive. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I think I think when I sat through your seminar, once you gave the numbers, I was like, "Huh, it's not as expensive as I thought it was." And I think that I think that is something that that people are surprised by, honestly. So, can you tell me? How expensive is is egg freezing? Sure. So uh, it is absolutely true. The costs, I think, have, have continued to come down. I mean, it you know this uh, is a technique that is increasing in popularity, mm-hmm. and as a result, then you know we're able to do things you know less expensively anytime something becomes uh, performed more frequently. The uh, the other thing that we find, which can surprise many women, is sometimes it's covered by their insurance company, mm-hmm. uh, or some portion of it is covered by their insurance company. So that's very important if somebody's even considering it, but worried that oh I can't afford this. At the very least, you can come in and have have your insurance checked for you to see whether or not anything is covered. If absolutely nothing is covered. There are a couple parts of it that can add up. One is when you look at all of the monitoring that needs to be done as your follicles are maturing, your eggs are maturing, the actual procedure of the retrieval, generally you're looking at something around $6,000 or so. Mm -hmm. The other component is the medications we have to use to do this. they're very limited. Uh, there are not a lot of companies that make them, mm-hmm. and they are expensive. Mm-hmm. And so that can r- also run into a couple thousand or a few thousand dollars in addition. Mm-hmm. The storage fees uh, generally initially are included for the first year, um, and then after that there are storage fees, um, annual storage fees for keeping the eggs, which typically run probably about seven, $800 a year. Mm-hmm. So... Rough estimate, it's about, it can run you anywhere between ten to $15,000. Probably less than that. Really? Yeah, okay. probably less than that. I would say you might, you maybe 10000 at the top. 
Okay. So may, that, maybe even less than that. So that doesn't actually strike me as being overwhelmingly expensive, honestly, um, because I think before I went to your seminar, hand to God, like I thought it was like $20,000 and I was just like, no, this is, this is a cute idea, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to catch the right person at the right time. <laughs> so, um, yes, I mean, the, the some of the numbers that have been described in the media, different articles that have been published in magazines or online have made it sound as if it's extremely exorbitant. And there are different centers, cost of living. Imagine that LA, New York, when when you're interviewing people there about the cost. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're much more expensive. And then in some of the other more local markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's generally what people will publish. But I've seen ridiculous things and I don't know where they get those numbers because that is really not accurate. So that that is good to know to sort of be armed with that knowledge that at at the base of it it is you know maximum ten thousand dollars and unless there's some complication or something like that 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 it kind would, of yes it would be unusual to be more than that I mean even you know if someone needs a lot of medications because those medications are expensive then of course that can drive the price up um, the other thing to be uh, aware of is that most centers like um, my center, we recognize that these things can cost a lot of money. People don't have that sum of money to just hand over. And so we have different programs that allow women to pay for this over time mm-hmm. so that they don't necessarily have to come up with a lump sum. And um, and that's also important mm-hmm. to know. Absolutely. So what I also wanted to, to ask you about, and you brought this up earlier on, was around sort of the connection between egg freezing and in vitro. And then there's another um, process called IUI. Could you explain like each of those things and sort of the differences among them or whether or not they're related at all? Absolutely. So the question is, is, okay, what if you need to use those eggs or want to use those eggs? What happens then? Mm -hmm. And what happens then is in essence the second part of what occurs in an in vitro or IVF cycle. Okay. Meaning we thaw some of those eggs and we expose them to sperm and fertilize some of them and then uh, place, uh, transfer one embryo back into the uterus. Um, And so that's the second part that needs to occur if you're going to use these eggs. Mm -hmm. The other thing, what's called IUI, IUI stands for in, intrauterine insemination. That process doesn't use frozen eggs in any way. What we're okay. doing there is generally monitoring a woman to know when she's ovulating and, and then placing sperm in the uterus, which will then swim out the fallopian tubes and hopefully fertilize the egg. So can you can you help me understand sort of why is it that as, specifically with IVF, as the person seems to get older, there seems to be this correlation. And maybe this is just my misinterpretation of what's presented in, in, in the media. But it seems that as a person gets older and if they go through IVF, they have a higher likelihood for having multiples. Um, is that, first of all, is that true? And then second of all, like, is there like a scale of, of correlation for that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, our field is moving very strongly into recommending replacing one embryo at a time. So when you're looking at a multiple pregnancy from IVF, that generally has occurred because because more than one embryo has been transferred into the uterus at one time. Mm-hmm. Typically, that was done to in- increase the likelihood 
the pregnancy would occur. But the flip side and the risk is that if you put back two embryos, two would implant, and then there would be a risk of twins. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we know that pregnancies where there's more than one baby are more complicated pregnancies. And so our recommendation uh, in uh, many situations is actually to transfer one embryo at a time. Mm -hmm. So so the risk of a multiple pregnancy actually over recent years has declined dramatically. Okay. You actually, in IVF, have control over risk of a multiple pregnancy. Okay. And that's good to know because they make it seem like, oh, this was this miraculous thing that happened that they did IVF and now they have triplets. And it's like, uh, is that how that works? No. And and, and, and as I said, it's always so good to know one has complete control over that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that I, I, the only time I should mention that that's not the case is there are one can have identical twins from IVF, meaning one can transfer one embryo and then that embryo divides mm-hmm. and one has identical twins. And I would say that it doesn't happen frequently. It's actually very, very infrequent, but that is something that we don't have full control over. But fraternal twins, meaning they're coming from more than one embryo, is a choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so most IVF centers, as I mentioned, really are very strongly advocating one embryo at a time. Okay. So what happens if you realize you don't want children, but now you've you've gone through this process of having your eggs frozen? Um, You know, can you donate them? Like, like what what happens at that point? So at that point... um, one can generally just choose to thaw the eggs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they don't have to stay frozen. Uh, in terms of donating them, it's a little bit more complicated. Donating uh, any cell organ is very strictly regulated by the FDA. Mm-hmm. And so one can donate them, but at the time that they were frozen, certain um, certain blood studies would have needed to have been done Mm -hmm. to allow them to be transferred to another woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you think that it, that, that egg freezing is catching on as, as being sort of the new go-to option for, for young women as they're beginning to sort of push back being married or push back wanting children? Like, do you, have you personally begun to see that rise in uptick in in interest? I'm definitely seeing an uptick in interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we uh, do hold the events that you mentioned um, pretty regularly, mm-hmm. and we find that uh, it's wonderful. We get a room of women together, all of who are curious. Uh, not all of them, of course, choose to go through egg freezing, but I think that they find the information inv- invaluable. Uh, oftentimes then are armed with that information to pass along to their friends. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say that I I do see more women uh, today who choose to freeze their eggs. Sometimes they come in um, because someone in their family brought it up to them or someone they know who's experiencing infertility has said to them, if I had the choice, I would you know, suggest that you do this. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that there's just, as, as people are aware that it's an option, more and more women are, are, are choosing to do it. Do you also hear from your patients... Um, that they do feel sort of an ease of that pressure of like that social pressure absolutely. to have children? Absolutely. I can't tell you without exception, everyone, anyone who's done, um, who has frozen eggs has come back to me and said that it has alleviated pressure, sometimes more pressure than they realize they were even carrying around with mm-hmm. them. Um, so there's never been anyone who's regretted 
that's my personal experience. There's also actually research study that's published about that as well that, that supports that across the uh, country. So, so women who do choose to do it seem to be very happy that they've done it. Absolutely. So what I, what I want to ask you is, and we're, we're going to wrap up, um, where, if, if people are interested in this, like where can they find more information about egg freezing? Um, and when is your next happy hour? So um, the egg freezing, I would, I would suggest that one wants to go to a reputable site. For example, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, for mm-hmm. example, has information for individuals uh, that uh, will talk more in more detail. The other thing, of course, is one could make an appointment and see a reproductive endocrinologist. Uh, I do know that general gynecologists are aware of of the fact that we have egg freezing available now uh, and that um, there's been great advances in the past few years. But I think if you really want very specific details regarding your individual situation based on your age and family history and your personal history, it would be great to seek out a reproductive endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. Um, Our next event, we're planning for June. We hold them quarterly, uh, but we haven't picked the date yet. Okay. Um, what I'll do is uh, once you choose the date, I'll, I'll post that onto the website um, and I'll actually connect directly to your website so folks can go there okay. um, and, and check out everything that they, that they would want to, to find. So as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you the signature question of my podcast, which is what is the best advice you have never taken? Oh, so... When I was contemplating becoming a physician, I was told that if I made that decision, that I would have to choose between my career and having a family, that there was absolutely no choice that I could have both of them. Mm -hmm. And so people advised me not to become a physician. Wow. So I would say that I ignored that totally, and um, and I'm so happy that I did. Absolutely, like you're kind of a rock star. Like I can't, <laughs> like honestly, I can't tell you how many of my friends just sort of I've either seen coming from one of your events, or we've been out to coffee and we just happen to randomly talk about it. And it's like, oh, you've gone to that too, and it's just one of these things where you know you you're kind of out there, and everyone's like, yeah, no, she's totally badass, like. Like you're you're kind of yeah, like this you. I don't know, like empress of egg freezing out here. <laughs> like maybe you should get that on like a, a pin or something. Oh, I love that. Um but uh, Dr. Maureen Kelly, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Reluctantly Adult. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. My pleasure. I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you. Awesome. And that's it. I really want to thank Dr. Maureen Kelly from Society Hill Reproductive Medicine for sitting down with me and giving us some really, really good information around the process of egg freezing, sort of how much it costs and the reasons why people do it. I think that it was really, really helpful information. I think my number one takeaway from this episode is that the cost of egg freezing has indeed come down significantly over the past like 20 years, um, and that some of that cost could possibly be covered by your health insurance. 
And in order to find that out, you should probably go to, you know, whatever fertility specialist that you're interested in working with and having them analyze your health insurance. Um, And also, you know, if it's not covered by your insurance, then there's a possibility that the person that you're working with can, you know, set up some sort of payment arrangement for you uh, to pay for your egg freezing process. So that's really helpful to know. If you want to, you know, learn more about egg freezing, uh, then you can go to the American Society of Reproductive Medicine's website, which is www.asrm.org. Um, or you can make an appointment with a local uh, reproductive endocrinologist or uh, fertility specialist. Um, if you'd specifically like to work with uh, Dr. Kelly, then you can attend her next um, Egg Freezing 101 Happy Hour, uh, which will be held on June 29th at Pub and Kitchen in Philadelphia from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Uh, you have to pre-register for the event, and you can register at www.eggfreezingphiladelphia.com. All of these websites and resources will be on the Reluctantly Adult website for you to check out. So tell me what you thought. You can leave me a comment on the website at www.ireluctantlyadult.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at ireluctantlyadult or on Twitter at ReluctantlyADLT. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. Um, If you have a topic idea or you want to send a voice note or whatever, uh, you can email me at ireluctantlyadult at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't done this yet, uh, you can go to my Facebook page or you can go to the website to sign up for the monthly newsletter. Um, It's pretty badass. I put it together last month and I was really happy with the way that it turned out. So I'm going to do it again this month. And uh, I think you'd be remiss not to be a part of that action. I'd like to thank Christopher Davis for my intro and my outro music. Uh, If you really like his music, you can check him out on SoundCloud. Uh, His username is CRD Music and you can find him under CRD128. Uh, Thank you to the amazing Ken Griffin for my incredibly dope logo. And as always, thank you to all of you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thanks.